Hi there! I'm Missy Information. On August 1st, I was challenged by Alice Lee of the Bat Month podcast to watch the film Twilight, four minutes every day during the entirety of the month. I decided to do it, because who am I to say no to someone on the internet? And thus began Twagust. It has finally arrived. It is the finale of Twagust. This entire month, 31 days, has accumulated and moved to this. We have gone all over the western part of the states, and on that journey, we have made new friends along the way and new nemesis along the way to create beefs with and to squash. But tonight, we have the person who is the impetus for all of this so that I can make her pay for what she has done to me, to my husband, to my roommates, to the whoever is listening to this secondhand because they feel guilty by association and be like, oh, well, he's actually doing it, so I guess we really should listen. Like, oh, now I feel bad. It was a bit, and it went too far. Um, But it's one of the best bits that's gone too far uh, for me in a long time because it really has made a wonderful experience. Not a way, as you said at the end of Bat Month, I was like, I'm going to challenge your thought that watching a movie X minutes at a time is good. Yeah, I agree. It's not good. Yeah, and that per- I should say her name. That person, by the way, creator of the Bat Month podcast, which you should listen to, Alice Lee. Thank Hi. you so much for joining. I can't believe you did this. I really can't. I, I can't I, believe I did. I, I said it as a joke, not expecting you to actually start it and do it. And then when the no, first episode I'm... appeared, I was like, "Holy shit, she's doing it!" And it's because you. It's because I knew that you didn't mean it. Yes, it got in my head. Right. And that what if, because it wasn't, it was enough, I'm like, oh, that's a joke. But the what if part of my brain went, but you could do that. Yeah. You you do like this. You're tweeting uh-huh. about, I like the Bat Month. I'm like, I do like this format. Yeah. And she, she's explicitly giving me permission, as a bit or not, oh, to yeah. just copy the format and just do it. Okay, so, well. it, 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 what, so I guess as the person who, who did Bat Month, yes. one, we can just decompress your experience with it. Sure, and then please. two... What you thought when I started to actually do it. Okay. So I started doing Bat Month because I made a, I made a joke that in the Radio Free Multiverse Twitch chat, actually, I, I made it. We, they were talking about the Batman, which is like this three-hour movie um, that came out this year with, with Robert Pattinson. Um, and it was directed by Matt Reeves. And it's three hours long. Three hours is a long-ass movie. And I said, what if, what if I just watched it like – six minutes a day every day for a month because it's so long it's just it's just ridiculous and then i liked the idea of the format because it was something creative i could do that had a format that was like guide rails for me and it was very easy just just watch the movie for six more minutes and talk about it and i could do it every day so it was like a habit like like the artist way or sort of something like that i felt compelled to do it because i had i, I was doing it the whole month and each episode, by the end especially, only took me 15 minutes to, to record and upload. And, like, that's pretty cool. Also, um, I've been saying this for years, the best feeling in the world is when you stop doing your podcast. So that's the gift <laughs> I can give to you. Uh, oh, I mean, I, so 
um, if you're listening to this as sort of accumulation, you don't want to listen to all the episodes. Be like, well, I'll figure out what happened to the end. Um, the one of the slight spoilers is that <laughs> when the podcast ended, it sort of ended abruptly for me because I thought I had the credits in the last episode thirty, but in the middle of episode twenty nine, the credits came up, and I'm like, oh wait a minute, I'm done. Oh yeah, <laughs> I wasn't ready for it, and I had that wave of like release where all of a sudden I realized I don't have any thoughts about twilight anymore yeah like my brain just sent whatever chemicals to say it's okay now yeah it's done and i you know i did the last episode you know, completed it out and did some fun other fun stuff but it was that that feeling of of truth to it and also everything else you said about the habit forming the structure mm -hmm. the knowing what you're going to do the being able to do it without having to have that much preparation preparation buy-in right, exactly. or nervous about yeah it's just like i'm gonna click it on i'm gonna talk about what i see what i'm feeling and turns out like i had a lot of thoughts and a lot of mm -hmm. feelings about something that i coined the uh, the term by my friend adam uh is i had a negative interest in it so yes. something that it's not that i just didn't care about it i was just like i really don't care i i've been exposed mm -hmm. to it too much it's the thing now where it's like the mcu or oh, yeah. other big blockbusters where you're just like i'm just i don't want to hear about it anymore mm -hmm. and you think like it's because all the conversation is being uh driven by that but the reason is is that you just we now live in an age where social media and everything is much more prevalent so you just feel like you're being exposed to it a lot more than like say before that time and when you had to like seek people out to talk about sure, it sure. or it's just in like the office and everything i think twilight is actually a good example of when the tide started to shift especially like 2008 2012 when the when the movies were coming out we still had a monoculture everyone was mm -hmm. still watching the same like four nbc sitcoms or whatever right yep um like people people like like you would be friends with and i would be friends with like people our age would were all the same thing and then twilight appeared and it was it was one of the first things that was like this isn't for us who is this for? Oh, it's for teenage girls. That's that's gross. Mm -hmm. um, and and people seem so into it. And now today on the internet, there's one of those every 20 minutes. Like there's there's K-pop. There's there's um, oh, there's like um, TikTok people. Mm -hmm. There's Instagram people. There's like a million streaming and reality shows. There's a 90 Day Fiance universe that I've never heard of. And <laughs> I've and heard like, of it. I've heard just the fact that I know it exists seems like it's. I've heard too much about right. it. Right. <laughs> and and like there there exists so many of these. And and I think Twilight was one of the first that really because because of the nature of like people who are millennials getting older and then like. Or or it was Gen X getting older, or elder millennials getting older, and then younger millennials getting really into it. I think that's that's how the the generation shake out. I think the same thing's happening now with Gen Z, with like all the stuff that happens. Like I hear about all this stuff, and I don't have interest in it. I have I, I actually feel repulsed by it. But <laughs> but if I question that, it's not because I'm actually repulsed by it. It's just because it's so prevalent and people are so in groupy with it, and I am not on that in group. Yes, yes, um, it's. It's like, oh, pop culture is an inside joke that you're not a part of. Right. And I think I think for many people, Twilight was their first one. Like, mm -hmm. like there was a big backlash about Twilight uh, appearing, the Twilight people appearing at Comic-Con when the movies were coming out. And I remember Kevin Smith, like, 
famously did a panel where he he defended them and saying like these people are just as passionate about you people are about my movies or Star Wars and it's like he's absolutely right but mm-hmm. nerds nerds don't want to hear it because nerds always thought they were the oppressed ones they they could not be the oppressor and and we have learned that's not the case well and um I think it was Forrest who first introduced the concept of it it also was this sort of reaction to being like oh that's something for girls and for mm-hmm. girls to like and a lot of men I think in their aggro or toxic masculinity saw two pretty boys and that the entire concept of the saga is an internal fight with this woman between which of the two pretty boys Mm -hmm. she's gonna get and like it just broke their mind that something wasn't made for them it's always it is always just the fact and and that's that's how i felt about it like i knew twilight wasn't made for me and then it was like, fine, I can just ignore it. But then it got to a certain point where you can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. And I unfortunately have a broken brain. The information and misinformation is the fact that I am just trying to absorb stuff. So I'm the person who, like, I looked up all the MCU plots and stuff yep. just to know at least what the hell people were mm-hmm. talking about in memes, in my yep. group chat. I can be like, okay, yes, I got it. Maybe right. I'll see this someday, but like I just need to know to be in the know because I the dis because the discourse can move so fast, mm-hmm. which is stupid that we even have this language to talk about. You know these yeah. things that were in it, the discourse. What what is this nonsense? And the thing that I think is interesting is that because I'm the same way. I, I haven't watched mm-hmm. I haven't watched Marvel movies for like ten years, partially because I had a I had I had a friend who worked in a VFX house who got fired because their VFX house made a mistake and Marvel wanted ahead. And so then my friend got fired and I was mad about that at the time. Um and so I haven't watched any of those movies, but I know exactly what happens in all of them because, like, I have coworkers that talk about it and stuff. And it's like, you've probably spent as much time reading wikis and looking at articles about these fucking movies than if you just sat down and watched the movies, it would have been the same amount of time, which is which is the weirdly perverse thing. And I think, like, that is part of how we all operate on the internet. And I don't, like, it can't be healthy, right? I mean, the fact that this podcast's run length with just the recaps alone exceeds the length of the film itself. Sure not including the daily episodes, is exactly a testament to what you're talking about. The difference is yeah. I'm actually watching the film. Right, but, but in this case, you're actually commenting on the movie. Yes, so... but it's just the amount of discourse and language and just talk, talking about the thing that we're doing just to process it and all mm-hmm. creates as much information as the stuff itself. It's, you know, And it's why we have these huge... It was just talked about the other day again. Things like The Last Jedi or these weird things oh, that yeah. don't just become about the the film or the art itself it just becomes a culture war issue where right. we're not talking about the real thing you know right. twilight we're not talking about the fact that this is something for girls and yeah. that's why a lot of people were rejecting it not uh-huh. not because of the plot or because of writing it they found whatever but it just was an innate reaction of disgust and so much yeah. of people's drives are by disgust i mean Inside Out nailed it, the the Pixar movie. But that is something, especially when it comes to culture war, conservative trigger points. Oh, yeah. For them, it is always goes down to a reaction of something disgusts them. And then if you try and break it down, well, why does this disgust you? And there basically comes down to, well, it does. And it's like, yeah. well, that's your fucking problem, not mine. <laughs> you know? So that's, that's where I think, circling around to Twilight, it, it, I grew to – I have grown to – not try and get as much into the discourse as yeah. possible for things I have not read or observed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which is why the entire idea of doing Twilight specifically. If you had mm-hmm. mentioned other movies, I'm not sure. 100% sure 
yeah. I would have latched onto it. But something about the fact that, well, one, you're just shocked that I hadn't seen Twilight. Well, one, we're actually no. The one first shock was I hadn't seen anything with Robert Pattinson. I mean, I I I, I, I wasn't actually shocked, but um, I I feel like I felt like. In asking that question, I'm trying to remember what I was doing a month ago. I, I think, like, <laughs> right? I was trying to suggest that by by having brought in enough of pop culture with Robert Pattinson that you would have a much a, a stronger opinion about him because because Twilight was such a big deal for so long yes. in in, our, in the in the culture in general. Which is true, and and I've explored it. We've explored it. I yeah. you can listen to my mind just circling around, oh, yeah. it, going back and forth, and it's it is fascinating because I get it. Like I do, I do get it now that I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are just moments where he is a handsome boy. He's a handsome yeah, he's, man. He's, he's he's an attractive he's an attractive man. And the way that the film sets up everything to be sensual, it just drives all of the lust in your mind palace. And so uh-huh. it really is like a, a fill in the blank. Yeah. Because you can just imagine, well, what what are Bella and Edward doing off screen if they're just well, you know? Not, I mean, we not I, not a lot. We know. I mean, <laughs> I've read the books. Can. Not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, but still, you know, it just it allowed a, a a choose your own sort of fantasy with it on there, um, which I know that they then in the subsequent films do to Jacob as well and kind of right. then drive him as the other, you know, just the other object of desire. In okay. There. I so this is this is. Th- I have I have questions for you. Um, yes, please. Are you actually going to do the other movies? Please don't. Please don't. You well here's, here's what I'll say. Here's what okay you if, you, you you go first and then okay. I will say what I was thinking. Okay. And we'll see if what you says erases what I was thinking. Okay. You had this experience and it was really magical I think for you and and you're yes. learning a lot and it was good. Around like movie three, probably even movie two. Halfway through movie two, you're gonna be like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> and then, and now that you've locked yourself in for four more movies, I think, I think you're setting yourself up to fail. Um, I've also only seen the first two movies. I've only seen Twilight mm-hmm. and New Moon. I I have never seen um, Eclipse or the Breaking Dawn's Part One and Two, partially because I kind of like my I, I, ironic non ironic liking of Twilight kind of fell off around around the point that the third movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a it's a big investment, and I think like. This like, just take this 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 nice experience that you've had as a whole and leave it on a shelf. Like I thought about doing another Batman movie the month after I did mm-hmm. the Bat Month, and I didn't because I knew that if I did if I kept doing it, I was really gonna hate the format after a certain point, and it would lose the magic that I'd had. Interesting. I thought about the uh, everything you just said has gone through my head as well, yep. especially the decision of it. Because, so the first thing is, I think I said it in one of the episodes, I for sure cannot do this as a daily thing again. Yeah. I know that would break me. That mm-hmm. would be tragedy. That's not comedy. That yeah. just would turn into, as you said, someone who's just watching uh, lengthy nonsense and mm-hmm. is just struggling to, like, push through it. And I don't want this to become, like, a... a bad movie podcast yeah exactly thing, exactly where yeah. i'm just ripping into it and stuff uh-huh. but now that the seal has been cracked <laughs> i do feel like i want to see the rest of these films sure just to like 
get them out of the way. Because yeah. I also, I have nieces and nephews. Who knows if any of them are going to become interested in this when they grow up? So I might just need sure. to like, no, no, it's whatever. Yeah. And, and I can then have the freedom to react to it as I want right. and do it as possibly either a commentary where I release it as a weekly portion mm. so that it's chopped up and I can do it mm -hmm. all at once. It's still going through there. Yeah. Maybe I drag people in with me, but I, I want to thank you for the wisdom and the permission to not oh, yeah. have to do this. Oh God, no. I, 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 I look, I love a bit. I love committing to a oh, bit, yes. but there's a difference between committing to a bit and for punishing yourself with a bit. <laughs> Yes, and I've done both. I, I think I was doing one earlier tonight uh, mm -hmm. on our on our on our Twitch show. Um, but no, yeah. that was no, that was glorious. Okay. Uh, Thank uh, you. Everyone needs to listen to or watch, well, watch or listen to Beef Week episode of Miscalled with the former Randoms. Uh, Missy was there tonight. Other appearances from people that might sound slightly like Missy also made appearances tonight. <laughs> there were dead presidents who came from so beyond the grave. Presidents. There were so many. There were so many dead presidents. <laughs> I was not ready. I told myself, I'm like, oh, the nine I have in the bank, that's fine. I can just sit and listen. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it started happening. And I'm like, oh. Oh no! I someone else is doing these, so I got to keep doing these. Like I, yeah. I have, again, it's the permission to do and the permission to not do, um, mm -hmm. which, which again was I think part of the reason I just did it to begin with is that it was someone someone giving me permission to create, yeah, to, just to do something for the sake mm -hmm. of doing something and something that emotionally I can put whatever investment I need into it because mm -hmm. it's a Twilight film. It, yeah. we're, we're 10 years past the phenomena you know uh -huh. it's not something where any take i have right. is going to be anything that hasn't been said by yes. like an ai generated script of twilight reviews but, or anything like that but but i also think it's been 10 years culture has changed in different ways your mm -hmm. perception of it went i think based on what you've said from you gross this is for girls to oh there might be something there or there might be something ironically there or there might be something actually genuinely there um, I'm curious, like, okay, you've watched Twilight now. Yeah. What did you think? I, so, I'm having, I've really had to put it in my mind to try and think of how I would feel watching this movie when it came out. Because sure. I'm having, I'm having a weird experience where, and, I, and I, I've, I've talked about this, I mentioned it several times, the fact that I just know how all of it ends and can't unknow that. Well, didn't okay. make this ever so slightly different. But I, right. but here's the thing: is I also had no clue what was happening in the film. I didn't know how far the story went or didn't go. Right. So right. truly, I was watching this film for the first time. Yeah, no, exactly. And it was an experience of it. Yeah. Um, I did not like the film. Okay. I liked the experience of watching the film because okay. it's one of those films where I love a film that makes choices. Yes. I love a film that just goes for it with no abandon and just says this is mm -hmm. what we're doing and it doesn't try to justify it it just like is what it is like the baseball scene mm -hmm. or the um way that the car crash scene was done like all mm -hmm. these things it, it it just was so interesting to watch it was visually very interesting to watch mm -hmm. uh i really enjoyed the fact that when i did the film so slowly 
I was able to really think about the choices the characters were making. Mm-hmm. And that, you, throughout, you can hear that's an obsession yeah. of mine of, you know, like a Shakespeare tragedy. It all comes back to that where it's just you're looking yeah. at the screen and you're saying, don't do it. Don't make that choice. I, as an audience member, have information you don't know. So I know this is not a good choice, but I have to sit here and watch you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I didn't I thought for some reason that Edward was like the cool boy in school. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it there people just thought he was a bit of a weirdo, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that threw me for a loop as well. Cuz then yeah. I'm like, well, he's also a bit of an outcast, but like we know why. Right. <laughs> so it's a but, little bit different. But I don't know how much this came across in the movie cuz I I I've, I've read the book. I reread half the book. Um, yes, which, before thank you before doing this research. and I watched the movie last night. Um in the book and and in the movie, I think too, everyone is everyone's hot for Edward. He's just doesn't he just doesn't interact with any of them, and he stays yeah. away. And like everyone's I'm, jealous of Bella because she gets to date Edward. That's true. That actually did come across because it, it was at least telegraphed in the scene where they go to the restaurant and the, her mm-hmm. two friends are basically like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Uh-huh. And I felt it was a mix of. I mean, it was obviously meant to be like, "Oh, they're hot." Um, but I wasn't 100% sure if it was also meant to be like, oh, Edward, hmm, you know, mm, no. he's the no, there, there, boy. There was like, none, fascinating. Like, like, I think if they made it today, there would be some jock who's like, you know, calling him faggot and kicking his lunch tray or whatever. But oh, gosh, yeah. They, they didn't, that was not, that was not the intention at all. And I think part of it is just. So, okay, this is so many things I want to talk about. Um, no, dude, you can start spilling out whatever okay. you need to. I okay. will be I will be your student right now. Okay. Yeah. I'm handing over the lectern of okay. Missy Information's homeschool. You can now school me on whatever you wish. All right. Okay. A lot of this comes back to the book and Stephanie, Stephanie Meyer's choices. She also had a cameo in the movie. They very clearly have her sitting in the diner and they say, would you like some more coffee, Stephanie? Why I remember that moment yeah. and just thinking like, oh, a named character. I no yeah, freaking clue. Um, oh my okay. god, that's so, so funny. Like a lot of the things that I think you're attributing to the movie are actually bold choices in storytelling from the book, and I think okay. that's partially because like she this was you know she was like a first time author. She hadn't didn't have an agent. She didn't have like she wasn't following traditional literary conventions. And it's young adult also, so you can just do whatever you want. I think, but but she she really had the freedom to. Make them go play baseball. That's in the book. Like, yeah. like the the weird tonal shifts and how quickly the plot moves forward, like aggressively moves forward, is is that. And like the movie condenses that, but it's basically the exact same plot as as the book. Only only just with with Be- Bella's um, point of view always in, in in because it's a first person, it's a first person story, and then also. Um, a lot more color around the edges around some of the high school stuff. Um, it was interesting because you kept calling it a high school drama, which it is, but they actually cut a lot of the high school stuff out. Like in the high, in the in the book, there's a big subplot about how Mike and Ethan, the, the Asian kid and the, and the like the jockey kid, were both really hot for her and they were fighting over her and stuff. And like, okay, this book does an incredible job of creating a protagonist who is a girl who hits all of the tropes that you want for her. She's beautiful, but she doesn't realize it. 
Um, she she thinks she's the least interesting person. Basically, the first chapter, first few chapters of the book is just about how she's so boring. She's so boring. And then, like, she goes to Forks, and she's, like, I guess, like, she's, like, a Phoenix 6, and she's a Forks 10. So, um, everyone in Forks is obsessed with her, even though she's so boring. And then she meets Edward. Um, one other thing they talk about in the book a lot is that, is that Bella is very pale. And I think that's partially why Edward is so attracted to her. And they didn't really do this in the, in the movie so much, but like, like they explicitly spell a lot of, a lot of words talking about how she's so pale that plus the thing where he can't read her mind, which does have relevance to the plot later in the series. Um, yeah, Edward reads minds. They don't really talk about it that much in, in the movie, but he, Edward reads. Edward can read minds. That's how he knows everything, and he can't read Bella's mind. And that's that plus her like sweet human blood smell and her looking so fair is why he's so obsessed with her. And then, and then in the relationship between them, you have all of the things you want in a in a in a, in a romantic tense relationship. He. Can't not be with her. He keeps talking about how he is a threat to her. Women love it when, when you know, tall, dark, and handsome, a little, little mysterious. Maybe he's going to choke you out. How many women like that? I, I know I do. Um, like, and then, and then she wants to be with him against his will. And so there's this, like, push-pull constantly of them saying, like, we can't, but we want to, so it's forbidden? That's hot. Um, and, um... Part of, part of it is also she is okay with basically everything. Like she finds out she finds out that he's a vampire, she finds out that there are werewolves and is completely nonplussed. Like not at all. Doesn't doesn't care at all. And that is like the thing that I think fantasy readers would bring into this this scenario like like you watch like I don't know like Beauty and the Beast and you see all the people yelling at the beast and you're like no the beast is beautiful why don't people see it? That's what Bella's literally doing. And that's why she's that's why that's why Edward feels like he can let go around her is because she's not freaking out that he's a vampire. And so like that's I think a difference between what a normal protagonist would do versus what Stephanie Myers has Bella do. And and she turns that into a strength for her. The only downside to this being a podcast instead of some sort of uh, what's the vodcast is the fact that you cannot see the range of expressions and emotions I went through. With mm-hmm. some of those realizations. The fact that she was pale and he found her attractive because of that yeah, blows my mind. For I don't know why that blows my mind, but it is just such an interesting layer to add in. Because it also sort of helps explain... Kristen Stewart's casting in it. Not that I think she's badly yeah. cast. Like I don't, I don't have a conception of the character in it. I just remember, I just remember there being some amount of like, hub, not hubba, but like blah blah blah, blah about right. her casting of it and being, is she the right Bella? Is she, you know, again, yeah. not knowing the the entire story around it. But that the the fairness and the softness and all of that really drives home also to why they were doing what they were doing with his face. And I know it's, and I know just it's yeah, yeah, the yeah. simple reason because they are paler, but right. the way and why and how pale they made him and the yeah. change, like, I don't know if this was intended or not. I truly don't. But yeah. the change in his skin tone from the, the beginning of the film to the end where he has more like 
color. flesh color. Yeah, yeah, just color. I don't know. He still looks pale, but like, yeah, uh-huh. just, his his cheeks are lighting up. Yeah, and, yeah. I, no. and it's it, that to me was sort of like the weirdness of it because I was like, oh, the paleness is associated with the bad stuff, and now he's more. Well, okay. Did you, the the did you catch the thing yes, with the eyes? Did you catch the thing with the eyes? Yes, I caught that. Oh, yes, no, I did. Because I sat there, and I when she t- commented about his eye color changing, I think I said in the moment, I'm like, oh, apparently his eye color changed, which I did not notice. I didn't yeah. know at all. But I remember them talking about it. And if I'm inferring it correctly, because I do not know if they explicitly say, or he explicitly says, but it's because did he do a feeding Right. And that's so, why his eyes change color. The, the first time, the first time she meets him, his eyes are black because he hasn't fed in a while, and that's also okay. why he's like so far away from her and saying like, "I gotta get out of this class." But um, and then and so then he goes and feeds over the weekend, and then suddenly he can talk to her again, right? And his eyes turn golden. And the other vampires, their eyes are red because they are feasting on human blood, and so the the other vampires know that these people are ve- are vegetarians. I again that might have been explained, but that oh my god! I don't think it's explicitly said, but that's that like that's part of what you kind of get when you read the book. But yeah, yeah, and you're right. Like they do have that, and I just sort of like. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, this made so many different choices, and they're also these characters are on in like flashes because their edits are quick. Like yes. I noticed throughout it, the pacing, the four minutes weirdly normally hit a beat where all yeah. of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we just finished this thought or the scene and I'm getting close to the end of this. So they're they're pacing it like a, every minute. Mm-hmm. We're moving a new thing. And well, I got again, the, yeah. they're trying to cram a really long book with a lot of detail on this stuff into into it. And like there were just cuts everywhere. There were there was conveniences made like there. There were like two or three more scenes between Bella and Edward before she figures out he's a vampire versus like the first time. Um, there's a trip to Seattle that they, that or actually no, the trip to Seattle didn't real, but like they, they crammed a lot of stuff together like really fast. There were like, there was a dance that wasn't the prom at the beginning of the book. And oh then the God. prom at the end of the book. Oh my God. Ugh. Ugh. You can listen to hear my thoughts, other episodes, my thought on proms and dances and I mean not getting them. Uh, but uh, I think that is what also I got from it, especially in the chunks, which was tonally how it shifts from what type of movie it is and style and tone. Mm-hmm. And that makes more sense. Like, I, it felt like a movie that had a lot of stuff they were cramming in and were yes. trying to get through. There, yes. There's no doubt about that. And I did not feel like there was much there was I knew for sure there was not a lot we were adding into this. We were yes. moving stuff left uh-huh. and right to yep. get it condensed in, but I'm like I don't think they're making many choices in this that are different from no. from it, the book. I think the choices you're calling out are all choices that were made in the book. Um yeah. I think the movie was made for people who loved the book. I don't think the movie was made for people who have not read the book. And I I wonder about this because um when the film went into production, and the fact that it's uh, a Lionsgate production, so it wasn't yeah. – um, uh, that was the other thing. It's like, oh, it wasn't one of the big studios that was taking a yes. risk with this. It was a smaller studio that just – It was it was Summit Entertainment. The right to this Summit book. Entertainment Summit was Entertainment. the major production house, yes. Yeah, and so there's like, oh, well, we can just get this and let's punt for it. So it was interesting to me that it's like, oh, 
that also made me understand sometimes why the choices were made just from a production standpoint because i right. knew this didn't it was it was blockbuster but it didn't have all the money behind it oh no and, it, had, it had no money it had no money and that is what also i think again because knowing how big it got and then all the subsequent ones became oh, cgi man, I got, blockbusters i got, I got stuff i can tell you this. about oh man oh man okay. um okay you, so yeah. Tell me, they tell did me, not me. have any money. Um, I was actually watching and I was watching interviews with Kristen Stewart that came out like like press junket she did for this movie earlier today, and she talks about how all of the like scenes with her and and, and Edward jumping through trees and stuff that was all done practically with her with her and him on on harnesses in the forest in Oregon because they didn't have the money to do green screen and CGI. Okay, but I'm gonna say that makes me enjoy it a lot better. I know, right? For some reason, that makes me enjoy it better, even though it's still, like, can I, so, I guess, yeah, a question I have. In the book, do they use trees to fly and dodge? Like, can they not fly, but they can basically, like, be... They can't, they can't speed, fly, but they can jump, they can people jump and very jump. fast, yeah. and they can run very fast, yeah. See, and even that choice was, it's the choices that Stephanie Myers is making that is just changing lore, and it's fine that she's changing the lore, like, you know, it's your own work. Oh, yeah, do I mean, she's, she's deliberately making a lot of choices, yes. And in fact, it made it interesting, because I was like, oh, what is happening here? I, yeah. Me, with my knowledge of vampires, could not have predicted this would be it. Like, even the... Mm -hmm. The the fact that there is a society that is split within the vampires based mm -hmm. on the consumption of people and it's, and and it's just weird to be like oh they have their own morals this movie is like not by our moral standards that mm -hmm. we have as humans it's based off of this weird mythos world where we just have to like realign our thought processes for it yeah it, and they they get much deeper into that later in the series because you also get the um the Quillet um Native American werewolf side of it mm -hmm. like. So you kind of deduce this, but like book one is Edward, book two is is largely Jacob, um, and then book three is heard making a decision on that, and then book okay. four is the fallout. Okay, interesting. Um, and and so one other thing I noticed when I was reading this, I didn't remember Jacob's fifteen in the book, and they're like eighteen or seventeen or eighteen, so he's younger. He than, looks than younger. He and and yeah, yeah. She treated him basically like, hey friend, uh -huh. hey like person that I knew back then. But yeah. there is no chemistry with them whatsoever, and they're not trying. Right, to yeah, play. like at least uh -huh. literally just like right. um, a guy who shows up every once in mm -hmm. a while to dispense wisdom. You know, yeah. weirdly taken a vague they, shamanist role that I, they have to do or, for that type of character. They put more of him in the movie, I think, because they knew they were setting up Team Jacob, Team Edward stuff. Um, because because at the point that you, I think you know that the point this movie, the first movie came, they worked on, I think the third book was already out. Yes, that's what we, uh, I think yeah. in Forrest and Emily, we talked about that. Um, yeah. Which was why I wondered, because I, that was the other one of the things I surprised about it, was that I, I just thought it was Team Edward, Team Jacob the whole time. I just thought that right. was what the initial, mm -hmm. it basically was a, from the entire time, a, a she had to choose. Yeah. So him being in it, so little, but also a lot for, as you said, not I mean, me feeling like he's not really much plot in this film. He only exists right. to introduce well, the, the 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 concept of vampires stuff, to her, which doesn't yeah. pay off in this film. Like it only pays off in setting up our distrust of Edward and the family and all that yeah. for the dramatic tension. But it doesn't serve, you know, the, the werewolves don't come back. Right. And it's because they're not in that book, which is I I figured out at that point. Um I, I think, for me as well, it was. I really, 
really got in the nitty gritty of my own dislike of fatalism, which mm. stems from the fact that I was evangelical and fatalism oh, was yeah. baked into the culture. Yeah, you, so you, I'm you're having not going to be Team Edward rebel. then. Yeah, no. So I'm having an absolute rebellion and not jiving and just be like, yeah. no, girl, that's not a thing. You are all, not. All, all, you, all Bella wants to do is die. And yes, then all she wants to do. All she wants to do is get turned into a vampire. Yes, like the fact that you said, oh, because I, I didn't say this earlier because I wanted to make, I, I'm trying to do my best not to talk over my guests as okay. much when I do this. But um, when uh, you were mentioning at the top where she's like, basically like, oh, I'm fugly and stupid and awful yeah. and no one likes me. It really made sense where I'm like, yeah, I mean, this movie tells us, but this girl is just depressed to the lowest levels. Like she's a, person that is aimless who does not know what she wants and finally for some reason finds another person that feels that same way and it's that connection it, it's it is there are relationships that the the impetus of it is just two people who are both searching for anyone and they just happen yeah. to, to but be there at the right time this obviously implies there's an actual metaphysical layer two that's driving it which makes uh -huh. again boggles my mind but not our human world um but yeah that was just interesting to be like well okay make these decisions girl because it's gonna work out but you're gonna go through hell to get there but but not only does she get the thing she wants which is another depressed loner she gets <laughs> yeah. handed all of the things she thought she wanted or, or people are told they want she yes. goes to a new place she is the talk of the town she has two boys throwing themselves at her and she doesn't yep. like either of them she has she has friends now um, she has she has a social circle, and then and then she basically throws all of that away to be with to be with the, to be with her her sad lonely boyfriend vampire. That was the part that hurt so much was uh -huh. not her being with Edward was literally the moment where after the baseball game this turns into like a lifetime drama, and they're on they're fleeing, they're on the run, they gotta get uh -huh. away from from basically cra crazy toxic right. men. And, um, and Veronica. And uh, it was just, again, another wild tonal shift because it is just so, they get to the, the consequences of her actions so quickly because about an mm -hmm. hour in, they are doing, um, uh, Edward explaining he's a vampire. She said he's a vampire. He's explaining his lore in the next yep. position dump um, about his family. They then go meet the family, yeah. have a baseball game, Bad vampires come and want to suck Bella's blood. Everything's uber fucked. And now mm -hmm. they're running and her mom's kidnapped and like people might die and it's she might be turned into a vampire. It's like all like the escalation of things that happen in the last 30 mm -hmm. minutes of this film, yeah. well, which don't really do any or don't do anything to resolve the like stuff that we've set up earlier. It's just it's yeah, stuff no, we introduced don't. just now and have to right. resolve it. Right, and they don't they don't resolve some of it, but it's like okay, the 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 crucial point at the end of the book is when is Edward going to turn Bella into a vampire because she wants to be turned into a vampire and he oh won't, um, and like the thing where he has to suck the venom out of her and he, he has to he has to restrain himself that's like metaphor for like the whole metaphor for turning into a vampire is just having sex the metaphor is having sex, um, and then and like ironically they talk about how they can't have sex because they're not because she's not a vampire yet but it's like. She wants to have sex and he and he's and he and he won't and 
that goes much deeper. I don't want to spoil things for you, but but especially when you get to books three and four, that goes much deeper. But like that is where the Mormonism of the whole thing comes into play, where it's like they are so hot for each other, but they can't touch each other. Like like in the book, there's this thing where like when she touches him, their skin is electric, and so she can't even touch him. Um, and, 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 and he wants, and that's why she wants to be turned into a vampire. And he's like, no, we should just have a nice, happy, long life where you turn, turn old. And she doesn't want that. It, that wrist suck. It was like the pinnacle of, of hard, hard sensuality. It, right. You know, it just was like, oh, imagine a bad boy, like just mm-hmm. Sucking on your wrist, yeah. like, but it's like it's like hot, but it can be chased. It's it is basically it's hot and chased, and it's it's yeah. all of the things that like it's all of the like barely the first base moves that any sexually stunted individuals think are like oh my god like i'm gonna get a hold hands i'm gonna get a like like it's weird to think about that but like you know there was Uh a point where i obsessed about what my first kiss was gonna be like and thinking it was really important and my first kiss ended up being in a play that i was doing which was a 10 minute play festival at my college and i'm like oh well i guess it's just gonna happen now and that's what it is and it's not that big a deal oh yeah that's true um but it is so it's yeah no exactly but no but it's like but you know it just is one of those weird things where and in fact, the reason I was thinking, my brain was rolling too, because I don't know how I missed that obvious metaphor. Like, I got that it, they couldn't be together, but I didn't get down to the point that is simply just as simple as vampirism is having sex. Yes. And that you have to wait. And that mm-hmm. you have to wait till the right time. We have to make sure it's together. And what, especially in like, um, again, that fatalistic uh, philosophy that usually stems from uh, religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, th- in this case, of course, I'm, I'm thinking Americanized stuff. Um, yeah, I know. Christianity. But, yeah. but the drive of, like, <sighs> you need to wait, and this is going to be such a life-altering experience oh, yeah. that is... You can't go back from it. Destined moment. It's yeah. It's like this sake. Oh my god! It's an apple. And 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 it's when an you become and you don't yeah. want an apple. That's you. It's this is like literally the metaphors they would use in churches. I it's every once in a while I forget that people didn't grow up like this, and so this is the kind of bullshit that you'd hear from it. You know, uh, having sex is a little bit like the cover of Twilight. You see that apple that's on there? It's a nice apple. It's whole. Hasn't been bit from yet. Now, think to yourself, if someone handed you an apple and they had a bite from it or several bites on it or it's covered in cum, would you (laughs) want to eat that apple? No. So just like virginity, you don't want people to take bites from your apple. Okay, maybe you wouldn't, but But it's also also the idea that Edward is a killer. He is is all that is evil in the world. And and as soon as she – Shoot as she gets turned, she's also going to be evil in all the evil in the world. Oh my god. Oh my god. It is like original sin and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, was that what like vampire lore is? Isn't there like a part of vampiric lore that the first vampire was Judas Iscariot, who was forced yeah, to wander like the earth 
Well, so, like, I think vampire lore was always a way to to talk about oppressed people in ways to create myths to make them seem scary, whether that was like the Jewish people or mm-hmm. or the Romas or whoever. Um, yeah. When Emily mentioned that in a recap, that like blew my mind because I had mm-hmm. never and I, you know, I read about all the terrible connections and all these sorts of things because I want to oh, make yeah. sure that I'm aware of it so that I don't, you know, mm-hmm. accidentally step in it. But that was mm-hmm. one where I like again, I like I would never think about that connection happening, but it is it's true. I, 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 I was like. And I think again, it's just the the little of that little bit of evangelical reasoning going up. I was so re- like resistant to tying all these things to uh, her Mormonism because I mm-hmm. just was like, I don't. Is this projecting? Are people like wanting this to be about it? But it really is. There's no way to like. Try, it's mm-hmm. like try, it'd be like trying to say that Battleship Earth is not about Scientology. Right. Yeah. Like, no, you totally. can't. You. It yeah. is baked into the entire mm-hmm. ethos of it, and yeah. it's. It is so funny to me that the movie has done it and I can still be having realizations about it, which is mm-hmm. just an- another reason I love doing this is because anything that you start digging into more and more, you can mm-hmm. just gain more nuggets from it of yeah. of information that you're going to hold on to. Right. Um, um, I wanted to – okay, I'm not going to give you spoilers because I think you, you it seems like you're going to go through the rest of it in order. Um, but I did want to correct one thing that you talk about, which is – Jacob imprinting on her daughter, okay? Oh, um, okay, so go ahead and please, yes, I'm I'm probably saying slander, but I just... No, 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 it's okay. Yeah. But the key thing I think you don't understand is that her daughter is, because they conceive her daughter, well, she's still a human, um, and so her daughter is half human, half vampire. And when she is born, from when she is born, within, like, two weeks, she's a toddler, and then and then she will grow to adulthood in eight years. So... It's not that he. It's not that so much that he saw a baby and was like, "I'm gonna fuck that baby." It was. I didn't. Well, I didn't think it was that. I know. I know. I know. But, yeah, yeah, but that's, yeah, yeah. that's what's implied, I just though. Wanted, when, well, when, when you talk listened, about imprinting on a baby, just, that is what is implied. <laughs> yeah. We know this. Um, um, but like, pretty much, at, at, at like immediately, she's immediately like verbal and 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 um, showing affection for him, and oh she's getting God. older. And I think by the t- by the time the book ends. The Breaking Dawn ends. She's already like a, like a, an older kid, like seven or eight ish in human years, um, and so like part of it is like they they stress in the book very much. Imprinting is 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 um, beyond one's control. Yeah, you cannot force it. It can happen to anyone. Um, but that all. But that's also like I think a very Mormon thing of like your husband is picked for you. Yes. Predestined, right? predetermined. It is yeah. yes. Everything happens for a reason, and right. you need to make sure you are listening yes. to those yes. who are, who can hear God, who yeah. can who can uh, uh, channel that for you, and basically, like Bella, want someone who will just make your decisions for you, mm-hmm. who will make it life not be so hard, because they can just have everyone guide your path and yep. you just have to simply do what you're told by yeah. a man in this case uh-huh. it's a weird weird patriarchal film for yeah. a, a, a film that's obsessively about a young woman a woman's coming of age and point of view being subservient to men yes and that comes from yeah it has to just come from the 
religious background that she right. was from where this is the norm. That was just an aspect yeah. of culture. Like that was an aspect in the culture of my growing up. Like I mm-hmm. remember there being retreats where the men would have to get together and, and it basically would be I mean, the essence of these things is be like, don't be a shit bag. Like don't cheat on your wife. Like don't beat her. Like stay mm-hmm. you know with, with your family and your kids. Like love them even if they're little shits. Too. It'd be like they needed these reminders and these things. And that's n- that's not the kind of thing that I've needed, but that's the kind of men that are in this are mm-hmm. ones who just, they're the ones driving all the action right. and the women are just reacting. Yes. They are, and like, they're just being driven through these events. Like she's always having to look to Edward to be like, well, what do we do next? What happens? What should I do? What are we going to, you just tell me and I'll just go with you. Yeah. What I will say is, is as the books go on, it is very much her she does get to make choices like who she chooses to be with and stuff she does make some choices but it is largely about how edward has to protect her that's a big theme in the second book and the third book um but also yeah so book one is book one is edward book two is team jacob book three is solving team edward versus Mm -hmm. team jacob and then book four is um marriage baby and some other stuff like 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 Jacob and printing on Renezme is not the end of the book that's actually like only a third of the way in there's a lot more that happens after that there's a whole other plot that happens after that oh my god okay yeah. <sighs> also also in the cuz there's like like author's notes in in each in each book um like where she's talking about like like talking about it as the books are coming out um she talks about how it's it's so impossible for them to make a movie of Breaking Dawn because they didn't have the CGI technology to make a realistic baby who can move around like Renesmee does because it's it's like it's basically like it's basically like you know the dancing baby on Ally McBeal but like like an actual person and and oh and, and I don't know entirely if that's the sole reason why they're Breaking Dawn is two movies but um it might be part of it I want so bad. A dancing sparkling baby. Uh huh. That's what I need. I I've never seen. I've never watched those movies. It might be in there. Um. I think you should read the books. That's my recommendation. Oh no! I have to read. That's but a here's worse the worst challenge. No 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 no. They're very fast reads because it's young adult. You've uh-huh. already seen the movie. They are very compelling. Like so, what happened for me was the reason I got into this is my I had a friend um, named Elaine who got into this, like, ironically, not ironically, and was like, you have to read it. And so I read the first book, and, and then I read... And then when I, when I finished the first book, I bought the second book. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, like, halfway through the second book, it was like, no, I was compelled. I have to finish all these books. The books are, the books are a fun read. And I think... It will help you get into the headspace of Bella because there's so much there's so much of her point of view. Again, the like I'm a nobody, no one cares about me sort of thing that that doesn't really get portrayed. And like casting Kristen Stewart isn't gonna make you make her seem like a like a like a nobody dowdy girl because she's Chris fucking Kristen Stewart, right? Yeah. That, I mean that's that's just how movies are. They don't cast ugly people in movies. Um but yeah. I, I Yeah, the fact that it's first person narrative as well. Like, she came in with the narratives every once in a while in the movie, but it really felt like it was there to just fill in the space that you couldn't visually Mm do. So it would be things like her saying, I'm always going to be with him, because you can't visually do that without her saying it. And And she's not going to say it to him yet. And and there's iconic lines that have to be in the movie that are in the narration, like the the one in the back, which is like, um, about three things I was absolutely positive. First, Edward was a vampire. Yep. Second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how dominant that part might be, that threatened for, that thirsted for my blood. And third, I was unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. 
it has to be but was the line about like this is like a lion falling in love with a lamb. Yeah. I knew it had yeah. to be. The, the, the whole, got me. Okay, so the whole opening sequence with the deer getting killed, in the in the book, it's a vision of Bella about to be killed by a vampire. What? Like a dream she has. Instead of it being a deer getting killed. That's so funny because it opened with the deer being killed, and I even was just like, and we open like we do on every time of deer in a field. And I... Later, when it, I just thought it was interesting the concept of animals being killed instead of humans, which is what it is because we saw the vampires hunt it. But the fact that it, that's just not what happened at the top of the book. Yeah. And again, so does she dream and have visions of Edward and stuff? Is that a oh, element oh, of it? As oh, that's well? fun. That's fun. So, so you know what? You know the sequence where she's having a dream about Edward standing in the room. Yes, he's is he actually standing in the room? Edward's actually standing in the room. Yeah, motherfucker. Oh, that geez. that becomes a that becomes a major plot point. It was a, later in the later in the books. It was a major plot point in my head. I oh, just yeah, remember yeah. going through yeah. it first when he showed up, being I, like, "Is that guy really there?" And then being like, "Oh, maybe yeah. he's not." And then when he said he was, yeah. I'm like, "I fucking knew it!" Like, yeah. this is um, creepy. I I thought it was interesting. You focused a lot on the the gaslighting after the the car accident. Yeah. Um, I I I because like I I hadn't I hadn't I was listening to the podcast, but I hadn't rewatched the movie at that point. Um, when I watched the movie, I was thinking like. It is. He is trying to gaslight her, but she never believes it, and she's not wrong. Oh, and yes. it gets resolved fairly quickly. She's like too smart for it. That's the thing right. too is that she's, and and it's because she knows what she wants. And even if I, as the viewer, fundamentally disagree with that choice, she mm-hmm. is always extraordinarily clear-headed about it. She never backs down. She yep. never has a moment of doubt. She yeah. never is mulling or. Right. She's, wobbling or going well uh-huh. i don't know she's no. like no i'm in she's stubborn I'm in this yeah. let's do it like it, and i think it is just because it must be and you can say if the book says it's not is it just the fact that things were just happening like literally the mm-hmm. excitement of new things are happening yes and i i am so I'm so enthralled with just being a part of this world, a part of this world that I never got to experience. Mm-hmm. That is driving me and my fuel to be in this as much as possible. Yeah. So it was like me but discovering I mean, gay sex. Got it. No. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think it's. I think it's a real thing. It's like the first time you move. Yeah. The first time you move somewhere new, if you don't know anyone. You might meet up with people. You might try things you've never tried before. Mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like for a lot of people, they'll eventually just kind of revert to their old ways. But for her, it's it's becoming obsessed with this guy who is hot, is hot, mm-hmm. and also is first repulsed by her and then is suddenly obsessed with her that she can't have, that she's being told she can't have, but she wants. And he's being told he can't have her, but he wants her. It's like, it is uh, it is the supercharged version I like I've been saying this jokingly, but Twilight is the better version of Romeo and Juliet for the modern age. No, oh, it kind of is. Like I, because I got the impressions ready, and it, the, I don't think she's explicit. It's not an explicit like they're trying to do a one for one. But no, it's not. It's not. It it's just not a one for one because it made me realize just how that trope uh-huh. it permeates throughout so much teenage drama, yes. like coming of age films. Like they share this theme, and it's why, again, why I. I it made me help understand actually why people like Romeo and Juliet a little bit better. I have just a mm-hmm. part of my brain that has a block for it. I just don't like it. I don't know if it's because yeah. I know too much. Of, like it's like Twilight. It's like I know too much about this. So when I finally was like seeing it, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is the thing. Mm-hmm. I know what it is. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's he can't be with her. She can't be with him. Mm-hmm. There's that tension. There's also the threat of the world around them. Yep. Also, there's the the added like Team Jacob, which is mm-hmm. not a thing in, in Romeo and Juliet at all, and I think is is an interesting dynamic for them. Um, and yeah, I, I just I don't know. I, I, it has vampires. It has it has. Um, there's a sequence in the in the book. That she doesn't say this, but Stephanie Meyer has said it later, where she listens to a CD, and the CD is uh, the first Linkin Park album. Oh my god! Hybrid Theory. <laughs> and she gets obsessed with Linkin Park, and that was not in the that was not in the movie, but I I really love that. Um. Oh. 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 Very important. Yes. The baseball scene. We have to talk about the baseball scene. We okay. have to talk about the baseball scene. One, the baseball scene has a nod to the to the author because in starting in books two and onward, okay. she just in her author's note she just talks obsessively how she's she's in love with the band Muse, and they couldn't get Muse to do a song for the soundtrack, but they used that a Muse song in the baseball scene, and it's the first song on the soundtrack okay. in the movie because Stephanie Meyer is obsessed with them. That's why that's because that song I was just like why I mean it yeah. sounded like uh, every two thousands mid two thousands yes. songs that existed right. so I was just like yeah, 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 no, totally. the time but that's wild that they picked it out for that reason that she just basically was like I want to do my own needle drop here for me boop and I thought it was so funny that when you were listening when you got to that scene you called it butt rock and I was just like I'm so fun I think that's so funny that is a that I don't know. If my husband took it from somewhere, but my husband first coined that, calling the Sonic the Hedgehog soundtrack music butt rock. And once I listened to that term, I'm like, oh, no, I don't know how my brain knows this is true, but this is true what this is called. Yeah. See, like, when I think of butt rock, I think of, like, generic versions of songs that are meant to sound like... So meant to sound like popular songs, like like generic ACDC or something that you might yeah, hear in a restaurant or something. Kind of what but, it felt like to me. But but like Muse is like a is is a well liked and well respected band. Well, yeah, so it's just I, weird. It's just I, funny oh, that I you know called who it Muse that. Is. I spun um yeah. what was their record? Oh god, um it was the oh madness. Um back when that was a hit again and they had relevance. So like I like Muse, but it just again it just caught me off guard because yeah the sound of it and and. Now, I, here's my own thing that I was wondering, and this is just my dumb thing. Obviously, they picked baseball because that would have been the popular sport at the time that would have also existed when he basically was becoming a vampire, right? Because, like, well, okay. American he, football wasn't he, huge. He, yeah, he was, he was, he was been a vampire for, like, 100 years. Yeah. Um, J- uh, Jasper, I think, the, um, Alice's boyfriend, was in the Civil War, and he was a confederate. I'm not talking about that much, but that's, that's true. Um, and yeah, the, the other ones are, have been are very old, and and it is baseball in the book. It like I don't know if this is fully. They kind of talk about it very cl- very carefully, but it's like the 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 three vampires, Victoria and the other two, mm-hmm. uh, Victoria the hunter guy and the, and the black guy, um, were were leaving their area, and then they heard the baseball game, and then they came back. Okay. And would you, so would the they try game, to cover with have, a thunderstorm, right? The base you have to have the baseball game to to drive the plot forward. If they did to, hadn't played baseball that day, none of that stuff would have happened. I mean, they do basically drop one line when they're like, "Oh, we heard you," and then this came over. Yeah. And I but yeah. I assumed it was because they were looking for trouble and looking for no. them. Okay, they literally were. Then, they weren't lying. They literally did just happen to be in the area, basically. Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, yeah, hey, baseball. I like baseball." Um, That's and and. The line that Edward says, like, well, it is the American pastime, is in the book also. That was so funny. Uh-huh. I knew as soon as he said it, I'm like, well, this has to be a meme. 
because it it just was yes. so out of place but also i'm like yeah but this is what characters say because you have to talk about baseball whenever oh. you bring it up you mention it as america's pastime it's you know as yeah. america and it's apple pie that is like, that well, line it, it is it is very old so yeah yeah um. i just that's what i wondered and, 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 and i but that's also where my brain goes in these stories mm-hmm. like sure. i had the time to think about that aspect yeah. of was it their era that they got together that caused baseball right. to be thinking you know um but, but that's another bold choice from stephanie meyer like vampire stories don't have the the vampires playing baseball during a thunderstorm because it's the only time they can play who would think to do that yeah it, it is just like it's it's just some of the most interesting decision making of problem solved problem yeah, uh, a problem introduced, problem solved. In right, that. like I said, and, and, like the thing of her and, getting bit, like that could have been a whole sequence. In other films, that would have been a whole sequence. We would have had yeah. to spend time, like, oh, all these things to basically prevent it staving off because yeah. we have to have like a tick, to, a, clock, a, a countdown timer. But for her, it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, I'm bit. Okay, well, we're gonna take care of it. Let's stick that out. Boom, boom, five minutes done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the events of the the events that happen do set up the events in the future books. They kill the vampire, and. They have to answer for it in the, in books two and three. That's where this vampire council with Michael Sheen comes in, yes. isn't it? And oh. and they show Victoria at the end of the movie. She wants revenge. See, that's also the plots of books two and three. But and that's the thing that actually uh, it, 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 the reasons why I want to keep going with this too as well is that the parts that I was interested in seeing haven't happened yet. Yeah, the, the parts that I know from memes and things mm-hmm. and just that's I have enough interest now where again as. As I have realized in this endeavor, and you said earlier, it is easier just to watch the film than to have to do mm-hmm. all, like a bunch of research on it. Although I just like reading, you know, information. Uh, well, you could read the information. I know, in this. and I could read the information in the book. I'm, t- I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's a it's a fast read. I read the first half of this book in like three hours, probably less, and I'm a slow reader. Have just to. give it a try. I'm that's, gonna, that's... I know I'm gonna have to do. No, no, it's fine. I'm. It's me. It's me having to accept that I've accepted it. I just have to have mm-hmm. that layer of knowing my not my impulse, but that that right. that aspect of me that's gonna be like, eh, Look, eh. Yeah. If you're gonna dive in, you should just dive in deep. Just yes. just just submerse yourself in it. Like it's fun. There. Like okay. So here's the other thing with the, with the baseball scene. I think is is the perfect example. This movie should have been camp. It should have been camp. Yes. But it, it wasn't because yes. it was made for a low budget and it was made for teen girls who they didn't think would get camp. But like Alice, the pitcher, kicking her leg that fucking high. <gasps> oh my God. I was the obsessed with it. Pitch, I was pitch. obsessed with it. It was gorgeous and stupid. Uh-huh. Yes. That's like, th- like, like that whole baseball sequence was so campy. If the whole movie had that tone, instead of trying to be like, it, like trying to be like a fake John Hughes or or yeah. a high school drama for well, the first third, it could have been like that. And I think, like, I think that would have been the right tone for it. But I don't think that I don't know that that movie, like, that's the movie you and I would love yes. and we would talk about yes. obsessively. That is not the movie that would have been a, a blockbuster for teenage girls. A film where it's a light layer of it's not satire, but it knows what it is. It knows this is over the top, so we lean mm-hmm. into it. Where yeah, because they, you're right. There are they don't shy away from darker humor because, like I said, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, they don't do the jokes well. But the whole subtext of the dinner scene is just well, we're not going to eat you, and is just that joke 
you know, over and over again. Right, which and then she literally says like, it. It is yeah. funny that they basically are like, oh, we're going to learn to make your Italian food for you. Ooh, <laughs> with meat. Ooh. You know, but <laughs> then it's also hard when, like, now I'm in an era where we have, say, what we do in the shadows, where right. it just does that kind of joke better. But that's where I caught right, the jokes, because totally. I'm like, oh, I know what this humor related uh-huh. to this is, because we're right. in that era now. They could have done that, but as you said, that's not the book. And that's right. not the and, source material. And, 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 and sadly, that was something I think Catherine Hardwick brought to it because she had that self-awareness. Yeah. Because if you look at her filmography, the first two movies that she made before were, were 13 yep. and Lords of Dogtown, yeah. which are both w- well-regarded teenage movies yeah. that are not just comedies but they are, and, and not just dramas. They're kind of the mixture. And then, and then after this, she made... Red Riding Hood, which is a bomb, and then yep. she kind of got put in movie jail, yep. and she only makes small. In- she makes a small independent feature. She started out making that was um, one of the few things I had looked up because we. Uh-huh. I just needed to know at some point, and also because I was, I realized I was misgendering the director, and I'm like, I should probably look up and see. I literally was like, I should see if it's a he. I'm like, oh, it's not. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was the fact that I knew of those two films. I hadn't seen it, but I knew. I'm like, these are critically regarded films. The fact that I actually know of them, yeah, and so it was just strange. But it all, I just realized. This wasn't the material. Wow, this wasn't the material for her to adapt in the end. Oh, sure. I think I made some jokes where the jokes kind of slipped in. I was just like, "Oh, the editor was having some fun that day." But I think that was her, and she would have pushed that more had she not been on such a tight leash of I'm sure sure executives and that Um, and the fact tons of notes coming in. They yeah. knew the third book was there, so they knew what they had to include. It basically was like, and you know, she's in in pop culture jail right now, rightly. But like when J.K. Rowling started adapting stuff, but then would like start fiddling with things in the movies because she had already knew where she was, you know, and and building up on there and stuff. So people were like, "Well, this doesn't make sense. This isn't like what it was in the books." Twilight, I think, learned from that and was like, "Okay, we're going to be careful with adapting it mm-hmm. and making sure that we will we will do your book." Exactly yep. as you as the audience know it, mm-hmm. and exactly as I'm going to read it, it turns out. <laughs> well, okay, you're going to get through the first book really fast because you already know what's happening. Yeah, I it, will. It, you can breeze through it. Um, but yeah, no, the, like at least books, at least movies one and two are both pretty faithful. But like in movie two and on, that camp kind of doesn't, that camp goes away. There's, yeah. there's less and less of that. Maybe it comes back in later movies. I think the last movie has a lot of like hijinks and capers and stuff that maybe it would make sense. Like, yeah. okay, this is the other thing I think is I think is is cool is that I'm gonna tell you this because I don't think it's really a spoiler. At some point in the series, Bella gets turned into a vampire. Yes, yes, I yeah that and I do. that that makes sense, yeah. right? Um, and when that happens, it feels like there's a new fresh energy. And she and like just Stephanie Meyer just really took the took the collar off, took the leash off, and just went went ru- running in the oh direction, and it's great. I see. I'm thinking now. Maybe what I need to do is read the book, watch the movie. Don't limit myself to necessarily a format that is chopping it up. It might just be a uh-huh. monthly episode where I just check in and say, yeah. hey, here's where I'm at. I've watched the film and read the book, or, and or now we can move on to the next don't, part. Don't do it monthly. Just do it when you when you do it. I mean, yeah, you know, that's what I mean. It's like roughly about that. Let's just get them done as, yeah. as updates. But I, I'm, mm, I'm caught in a trap. Uh-huh. Oh. Um. Something else I noticed, which is relevant to me because I'm doing this other podcast where I watch Carol every week for the year. Mm-hmm. Um. And 
Carter Burwell, who's the composer who did Carol, also did the movie music for Twilight. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Oh, couldn't, I love couldn't tell from watching it, like but that. that's that's so surreal. Um, I also sent you some homework. Did you watch your homework? I did. That okay. Paramore video. I like Paramore because, yeah. I, and I'd heard the song. I uh-huh. think just because you know it was in rotation and yes. everything. But the fact that it starts with those sweeping shots of the trees. Uh huh. And ever it just and and like Haley Williams centered with a with a fan on her and a light and yes yeah. Which is it funny was... because they do the fan bit in this movie as well. Yes, it, yes. That, when did that, that trope see, that's, start? It's that's so camp. funny to me. That's the camp yeah. that we that that's the camp that it should have leaned into. Yes, and then and like those there's, were the there's a scene where the three vampires are walking out of the shadows into the baseball game, and you can very clearly tell they're on a moving like they're on a truck <laughs> that's moving while they're walking. It just doesn't look realistic at all. Like that's the shit this movie needed more of. Yeah, it really needed to play into that and just know, especially when. I think people work with the limitations of the technology they have at the time, so they knew mm-hmm. what they could and couldn't do. Which, like, like I said, the fact that I know they were actually just basically ziplining between those trees, I now enjoy that scene better. I will go probably mm-hmm. we would watch that scene just to kind of look and see, oh, okay, so what angle and all that kind of stuff, because it just makes it much more interesting that they actually put some effort into it and mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, yeah. well, we're phoning this in and just sort of like yeah. doing it because we got to, you know, oh, yeah. this is the part of the book where this happens or whatever. Right. And another another one is when um, they're in the cafeteria and Edward catches an apple in a weird way. It like falls down and he he falls down and he bounces it up in his, with his arm and catches it in his hand. I miss that until it happened in the fucking credits. Oh yeah, and yeah, I yeah. saw it and I'm like, wait, is this the entire reason this goddamn apples on the front of this cover is from that one moment, or is there more no. of the, a reference app- that I don't get? The Apple cover predates predates the, the movie. Well, no, but I mean is, sorry, what I meant is in the book, yeah. does he bounce an apple and catch oh, no. it? And that's the reason why. Okay. No, it is the first sin metaphor. It, it just is that. Alice, you do not realize how perfectly I intuited that and the clues I've been laying for the trap that I've had on you. Because ever since I saw that apple, I just wanted an excuse to watch again and force someone else to watch the 1980 musical The Apple. Oh, no. Which is about the creation myth told in the future year of 1994, where a dystopian government has taken over and music and rock and roll is the biggest industry in the world. Yeah, I know, I know. I've I have had I have been friends with people obsessed with musicals for basically my whole life. I have had like four different friend groups who've tried to get me to watch this movie and I've I've avoided it so far. It's that and that and Cats twenty nineteen I'm not gonna watch, but I'll watch the Apple. I'll watch the Apple. You watch Twilight, I'll watch the Apple. I my heart just grew three sizes today. <laughs> um you are and you can watch it and you can be allowed to not like it. But the yeah, cre- yeah. I want you to see a, a different attempt at a creation metaphor and see mm-hmm. if it maybe nails it a bit better. Who knows? You might find that it's your it's it's your passion of the Christ now, and you're like, oh, this is my biblical mm. metaphor. Where like I know all the story. That was a terrible example. I don't know why I went with. Yeah. I don't know why I went with the, the crucifixion when I'm talking about uh, Adam and Eve. But uh, I th- literally just because good Christian fun talked about that film the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I thank you for accepting that challenge, which is not just yep. a challenge. It's just going to be, you know, us reporting a commentary. Um, but that will drop at some point when we get that scheduled, because guess what? I'm free now. Yeah, you're I free. I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to follow through with a goddamn thing I, I said on this episode tonight. I'm not going to because I'm not going to be lazy and find excuses to not do things anymore. That's a lesson that I've learned from this podcast, much like Bella. I'm just going to make choices. Okay. This started because I watched The Batman, and it has Robert Pattinson in it. And Robert Pattinson in that movie is the most – like, the parts where he's Bruce Wayne are the most – he looks so depressed and emo. He looks so much like Edward without the white makeup. But he looks so down and stuff, and and like I'm okay. So I'm a lesbian, but I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and like he's an, he's an attractive man. I get mm. it. And and also we didn't even talk about the fact that Kristen Stewart's fucking queen of the gays now. <gasps> fucking fucking yep, lesbian we icon. Didn't Kristen even get Stewart. to that. Have, having having her girlfriend carry her her vans in her purse <laughs> when they're on the fucking can <laughs> red carpet and shit. But um. And they were married. You know that, right? They were married. Wait. They actually got married? Robert, Robert, and, uh, Robert and Kristen were married throughout the, throughout the production of movies two, three, and four. Was, they got wait. married in like 2009. I knew they were together. They... Did, was that known they were married? Did I just miss yeah. that? It oh was a God. big deal. Oh, no, I knew, they, then, I, knew, I knew the relationship was a big deal. I just, I guess, oh, missed oh, the let's, marriage part Let's get into my conspiracy theory about this, because I got, I got conspiracy theories. So they got married, very convenient, because they're, the mo- they're in the movies together, right? It's, 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 it's Edward and Bella in real life. Um, when the last movie comes out, Kristen is, Kristen is caught having an affair with the director of her movie, Snow White and the Huntsman. I remember that. Because I was one of the few people who willingly went to that and the sequel. Yes. And then a year later, she's dating a woman. And she doesn't. She just dates a woman the rest of the time. So was, was, was it a beard? Was it real? Was it a beard? Was the affair a way out of this, a way out of this very public marriage that seemed very convenient for when they were making Twilight movies and they weren't going to make Twilight movies anymore? When did she know that she just wanted to be a lesbian for the rest of her life? Like, okay, I should say, she has said she's bisexual. Bisexual visibility is, is the thing I do take seriously. But also, there's a pattern. As as a person who dated women in college and is still yeah. not unattracted to women, yep. but predominantly after that point in college has exclusively mm-hmm. just had sex with men, Mm-hmm. I understand that that thing where I I I don't label myself uh, like I used to label myself as bi and I'm gay and now I'm queer and I don't mm-hmm. actually really care that much because I just am what I am. Um, yeah, sure. But uh, it, it is uh, I I'm so, somewhat speechless because everything you just said I'm like yeah no that's probably true. <laughs> my brain my brain was just like all of this makes sense. There is mm-hmm. nothing about this story that I'm questioning that rings untrue. I'm assuming it then were some people conspiracizing that he that he might be gay and he was in a beard relationship or was it no, literally I, just I mean, Kristen Stewart's part? Head? It's it's I don't know that this is a widely held theory. It probably is. I, I, I just was I was just formulating this when I looked at her Wikipedia page a few days ago. Um, well, no. Hey, like I've, I've known her is, as 
any queer conspiracy I can help start to get the gay agenda oh, yeah. out there, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. all good to me. I mean, I'm I'm a big in all of them. I, lo- I love Gaylor. I love all of those things. Um, I don't think he, I don't think he's queer. He's dated a bunch of women, including um FKA Twigs, who is a woman. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and like, and like she wrote an album about it, so I think it's real. I didn't think I like I didn't assume that. I just didn't know right. if like that was the rumor at the time of like yeah. on it. But yeah. well, no, there, there there was no indication that she was gonna become a lesbian icon. Until she started dating women in 2013, and then and then in like I say lesbian icon because she's only dated women since then. She's engaged to a woman. Yeah. Again, her girlfriend holding her vans in a clear purse on the can red carpet. That is like yeah. iconic lesbian history right there. Well, and frankly, Hollywood loves to bury yeah. lesbians and just make them as like, oh, you can get a mention every mm-hmm. once in a while, but they're not going to cover the relationship as if they're going to be covering, you know, any heterosexual yeah. couple that's on there and stuff. I think I also just want to see Robert Pattinson get hot. I think I honestly am at the point where it's like, I can look at him and I'm like, he's not unattractive, mm-hmm. but it, it, it was just the weird knowing where he yeah. started. And it's like, I mean, I guess if you're aiming for teenage girls, yes, he is perfect mm-hmm. in that he's, zone. He, like, I don't know if he was sure. my type at the time, but I would have not, right. I would have looked at him and been like, oh, okay, I'm going to analyze him. At but least, yeah, I know. think, he was 21 when he filmed it. I looked that up, and and, and I think he he does he looks too old, but it works in his favor because yeah. of the whole vampire. I, I, that's what I just kind of actually thing. assumed they were going for was that he should look right. just a little bit too old. Because how old is Edward? Edward is 17. He is 17. I thought I made the joke that he was he a was, 17 year old. He was turned when he was 17, but he's been alive for about 100 years. Okay, that's a, yeah. The number 17 was ringing in my head. Again, yeah. again it's um, just because of weird age of consent stuff. But again, I was th- oh, yeah. I'm thinking of that part of it. But also, we're in a universe where people get imprinted. Like vampires grow weeks and months and time at a quicker pace. So, like, mm-hmm. who knows what age is appropriate for them to be together? I, you know, yeah. I'm not advocating for 17 year old vampires it is, to get in relationships. It, but here's what I will say in the book. If all if they have sex or they or she gets turned, it's because she wants it. It is not him and his family are always pushing against her. Oh my god, that's the. Th- it's like it. I think book book three especially is like turn me, turn me, turn me. No, no, no. no my thing is just like it's Edwards. It, it's the repressed sexuality as well on the men's side. That's the other mm-hmm. half of it. It is. It's like don't touch you can't touch. you can't get near her you can't mm-hmm. you might have your goo cannon go off and that's the you're worst. gonna destroy her yeah that's the worst thing that could ever happen so you huh? need to be aware of it all time and it's so funny yeah. because that mindset instantly makes men sexualize everything because yep. you're told to look out for i should just say people but like i was thinking men in terms of like my growing yeah, up evangelical no, and what they told yeah, us yeah. men specifically mm-hmm. which was yeah like also basically that like <laughs> the other part they'd be like the reason they'd be like well and also you know any one of you could basically turn into a rapist at any point once you start mm-hmm. having sex because you'll just start the, thir- the thirst will get to so you like, can't control it and that's yeah so that and that's what he's like singing as well too like I have to control it I have to control it because I know I'm going to go too far and I have huh? to not go too far and it is just it is about creating boundaries creating steps create, and that's it's the steps it is these are where you need to go but it's still, in a weird way, dictating exactly how you should be living your life. These are the bars that you have to meet. Holding hands, touching, having her mystical chastity belt open up, whatever it is, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Um, <sighs> you know, I didn't. I didn't expect this movie to make me have so much thoughts about my queer identity, but not for anything that happened in the film that in of itself was queer, but just simply sure. making me analyze the choices I made in my relationship and how mm -hmm. I joked about it, but it's like, well, I understand wanting to be with someone who was with a life-saving moment with you because Alex, my metaphorical life-saving moment with him was just making me feel valued because mm -hmm. it was it was partly to do with sexuality, but it was partly just to do with someone who just loved me for who I was. Yeah. And allowed them, allowed me to be attracted to them, allowed me to be interested mm -hmm. in them, who wasn't putting up walls or barriers or sexing off or saying, like, we can't be together. This is forbidden. This is whatever and stuff. So mm -hmm. I, 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 I kind of get it. And I, I'm still just sitting here. I'm literally. Do you know what I'm literally doing? I'm still upset about Bella. I still am feeling so bad for her at the end of this because it just doesn't feel like, I don't know, to go through all that trauma and to feel like she hasn't processed an ounce of it. Mm. And, and we, but it's a happy ending. Because she got to go to the dance, like it's material. It's not even a happy ending for her. She doesn't like the dance. She doesn't want to go. Yeah, to the dance. exactly. She gets to it, and then she basically has a moment that I have where I get anxious because I'm like, oh, I'm in the dance floor, and there's someone over here, and there's something over here, and there's something over oh, there. Man. Like, she has an ADD I, moment, and it's just like, I'm gonna go outside and breathe for a bit. I I can't I can't start talking about how everything in my life, as a 37 year old woman is just wishing I could go to prom all the time. <laughs> I, I want to turn every event I go into into prom. I want to wear a prom dress all the time. I want to I want to get I want to get a limo and a corsage. I I just want to go to prom like so badly in my life. I this feels like oh, this feels like it's going to be a continued conversation because <laughs> I have the absolute opposite urge and I don't know <laughs> what it is i don't know if it is just because maybe it's because i did theater at such a young age that i got mm. dressed up i did yeah the thing. yeah totally. i was used to being expect a spectacle i could have mm -hmm. focus on me that whenever dances or parties came around yep i never felt any need to put myself out mm -hmm. there because i yeah. got that fix i already know yeah. i'm seeing what everyone is doing mm -hmm. to entertain everyone and i'm getting it i'm i know how the sausage is made so it's hard to not just be cynical because you're like, oh, I see what they're doing to have fun and hamming up. And you can look at it that way, which is sort of how, mm -hmm. like, Bella observes everything, which is a bit of a depressive way to look at stuff, which is just l removing the fun from it and just seeing the, the structure and the bones and saying, oh, this is just the thing where we go in and do this. You know, it's like the chemistry test that they do mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, we're just yeah. going to do this thing just to do this. And if we fuck with it a little bit, oh, we might something, poof, you know. Have it right. go off and but stuff. the interesting the, the interesting thing is Edward. The mystery of Edward and then and then the attraction to Edward becomes the thing that she fixates on. Um the other thing I was thinking about is that when you watch this movie, I think especially when you first started, you were coming into it as an adult thinking about it as an adult thinking about these teenagers having this relationship. If yeah. you read the books, I mean I think this will happen anyway if you read the books, but put yourself in Bella's shoes. Put yourself in like a little 13 year or, or 17 year old yeah. Missy moving to forks no one's ever liked her she gets swept up in this this adventure and like that's that's what like 
for all of the weird things that he's done in his career and all the stuff that's happened, that is still what I think about when I see Robert Pattinson in like the Batman. I see the the romantic hope of like a lost girl who gets taken who gets swept away into adventure by this by this handsome boy. And I think he's he spent most of his career trying to trying to yeah. move away from that, frankly. Like doing like Safety Brothers movies it, and shit. Like Harry or I was like Harry Potter. Like Daniel Radcliffe after Harry Potter. I noticed yes, they exactly. had similar things where they were actively pushing against that and taking mm-hmm. projects that they they don't need the money. They can just you can Robert Pattinson can go do the Lighthouse, a black and white film where this is him and Robert Duvall yeah. losing their goddamn minds. It's like great, perfect. Mm-hmm. I wanted I really like just meta point i really wanted to bring it back to the original question of why did i have you do this yeah and that's where uh, i think my brain is stuck because now i'm questioning why did i do this uh-huh you know and it's it's really hard to think back over a month ago yeah the exact what was the trigger was it listening to your podcast and just wanting to mimic it and being like oh yeah. this would be a fun thing to do might as well do it, it. it's an easy was... thing to do that doesn't require a lot of um executive function which yeah. for me is like if if i can do it without having to think of like make choices it's very easy for me to do if i have to make a choice or think about it for more than two seconds it's very hard for me to do i think that is that was a realization i came to as well which was thinking about when the decision is already made for you, like I, I recorded most of these just before I went to bed at night. Everyone mm-hmm. else in the house could go to bed. It was nice because it just let my thoughts be sort of natural. I wasn't having that overthinking part of my brain, which is censoring what I'm talking about as I'm talking about it. Because, of course, you have like, you know, worried about saying the wrong thing. Um, not like something offensive, but just like the like the whatever wrong thing to say it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that it really... I think it was just the opportunity to like one create something, but also two, I think just to make new friends. Mm-hmm. Like it was just a way to be like, well, okay, like if someone's interested in this, we might as well yeah. do it. And that I think was the interesting part to me was how easy it was to do because I knew at least well one other person is listening to this. Yep. So it's it's just as basically me dropping like a voice memo for someone to be like, hey, here's a funny thing that I'm doing. You yeah. know, it's 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 a longer voice uh-huh. message, you know, miss call. Yeah. Um But I did the two narcissistic things that I think can come out of this, just in terms of doing a podcast, we're talking the meta part. Yeah. One, literally getting used to my voice. And I think finally kind of getting to a point where I'm not I'm not struggling with the internalized homophobia of how I sound gay mm-hmm. and like just being okay with that. Because most of the time beforehand when I did projects, I would be very much putting on the NPR mm-hmm. neutralized muted voice yep. that I realized was killing my actual voice. And was making me think I have to sound like these people that I've listened to and respect all the time. Whereas now finding stuff like Radio Free Multiverse and George Lucas Talk Show, it's like, hey, just speaking stream of conscious and off the top of your head is also a valid way mm-hmm. of doing all of this too. Yeah. And the other part of it was me just realizing I, I found myself funny. Like I was just listening back to it and was actually yeah. like giving about it. And I, I have a very odd thing. 
Um, and I think it's because I mostly do live theater in projects mm-hmm. I do because I don't get to see any of that back and yeah. I'm just in the moment. Mm-hmm. When I hear stuff that I do, it's the part of my brain that doesn't think it's me. Like mm-hmm. I know it's me and I remember recording it, but I'm mm-hmm. hearing it as if it's someone else making it and, it's a, and it surprises me. So I think that's part of what also surprised me was just me actually enjoying something that I did and not f- – feeling that stupid Midwest forced modesty where you're like, oh, that was okay. That was everyone's like, no, this is some funny, funny fucking things that are coming from this. You said your podcast was Um, funny. Yeah, no, totally. I I totally understand what you mean. Like, I I think I'm the same way. Um, I do think that a lot of the things I do are funny or I will will listen back to something I did and be like, oh, that was a really good joke. And like, I don't think you're supposed to do that. I don't think that, I think that's why I'm not a successful comedy person, but um, it's okay. And, and, like, look, I hope you had fun doing this podcast. I hope the rest of this endeavor, if you continue on, is fun. And if not, you should stop doing it. But um, I hope it was it it was either interesting or 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 a light for you over the last month. And if not, it's okay. I'm still gonna watch the apple. <laughs> it was so interesting. It was so fun. It was so purposeful and i'm not saying that in a way like it had the amount of purpose that it did i'm not trying to make it sound like oh, oh yeah no. I, my my life has meaning now because it did yeah not but at it, all. What, it just it it was the pilot light to get the gas going again and oh. to just let me be fun and creative and also frankly you know getting to do bullshit in the radio free multiverse area yeah and just allowing myself to just put stuff out there and for other people i i, I Despite coming off as maybe a little bit more confident than I am because I do just say things off the cuff and just willing to go on there, I am deeply terrified about what other people think of me and really am worried about being in the moment with other people. I'm always overthinking it. Mm-hmm. But this type of format forces you to not do that because you just have to be in the moment. You can't yeah. not because you're recording and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that at the end of this is also the part, and again, why... I'm making the decision to keep doing this is because, mm-hmm. well, then it'll give me something to do, which will then encourage me to do other things. I don't know if you know this. I have another podcast that I'm already working on. That's oh, oh, the, 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 the Batman one. Yeah. I, I've seen your tweet. Yeah. About the Batman one. So, uh, even just starting this allowed me to feel, which I had that technically booked beforehand, but still it, it just came at the right time for me to then feel comfortable to just start doing other stuff as well oh yeah that's fun i mean you you had the logo and the theme song within the second episode so um i was i was surprised i was like oh no oh no missy's 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 really doing it i was surprised and that again i the reason that i did that was because i knew oh if i put even this small amount of effort into it they're gonna listen and realize oh she's serious this isn't uh-huh. a joke in a bit anymore. This is becoming yeah. reality, and you create a monster um, and let let that monster it, loose on on the world. Um, I have one note, which is you always refer to me as Alice Lee of the Bat Month podcast, and of all the things I do, the Bat Month is like the least consequential. It's so weird to hear. That. I know, I know. It's I. It's it, it's funny, but it is like. It's because of my connection to this and stuff. You're right. I mean, you host yeah, you Read Me Free Multiverse, and uh-huh. you do much more interesting things in your life uh, as well. But 
I think just the fact that that's the connection of why this is even happening. I mean, the only reason <laughs> I'm in a video chat recording with you right now is because of this. You know, it, I will take that note in future. Yeah, and I will absolutely. ask for uh, uh, introduction so I can properly credit the achievements uh, on there next time. Okay. But for the last time, I will outro you. Okay. I was trying to think of the opposite of introduce, yeah. but outro, outroduction. Yeah. And say, Alice Lee of the Bat Month podcast. Yes, that's me. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, you knew you had to the moment that yeah. I started this. Oh, yeah, of course. It's it's been an honor. It's been I've been so excited for this, like getting to come back to Twilight, rereading, listening to you, listening to your podcast, and like knowing like oh she's gonna get to the baseball scene, the baseball scene's gonna blow her away, and then like re rereading the book and and everything has been so fun for me too because I I do like Twilight, like like it has all of these problems, but I do like it as a as a as a property, and it did like. Listening to that Paramore song brought me right back to 2000, 2008, and that's why I wanted you to listen to it. Um, and so this has been great. I also just want to say my catchphrase, the, the, the tires are the boots of the car. Oh, my God. It is – you have to listen to the Batmouth podcast. I mean, if you're listening to this, you probably already have. But still, uh, oh, my God. It, that is the funniest runner from listening in and just just – not being able to look at a car the same. <laughs> I do think to my I just think to myself every once in a while, driving. The tires are the boots of the car. <laughs> I'm walking my car all the way over. It's just so dumb. But again, it's it's little bits like that that come from here that is the reason that I enjoy these things and I have enjoyed doing this. Um Is there anything you would like to plug, Alice? This is your chance to credit yourself as you wish yeah so i make a, i make another podcast called the best idea of all time it, we are watching the the 2015 lesbian movie carol with Kate blanchett and rooney mara every week this year um it is not the best idea of all time in practice because we're, we're both kind of sick of the movie at this point but um it's been really fun my it's hosted by myself and my my friend uh laser sydney and we are losing our minds, and please, please check it out. I wanted to get Twilight out of my head first before I watched it, oh, but I course. wanted to let you That's know fair. I'm going to watch it at least once. To it's get a good it on movie. There. It's a very good movie. And it's the best idea of all time, you know, yeah. to watch that movie. Uh, maybe the best idea of all times. time is to watch that film, and the best idea of all time is not to do a weekly podcast about it. Well, okay. It's 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 a copy of this podcast made by two New Zealand com comedians called "The Worst Idea of All Time," where they watch a bad movie that they don't like fifty-two weeks in the year. And I thought, well, Carol is a movie I love, so really watching it fifty-two times would be the best idea of all time. And we kind of flipped their format. We have their blessing, thankfully. They, they're not suing us, um, and we love those guys. Um, but <laughs> I know the guy turn. is you know notoriously litigious. <laughs> Um, I I knew it was gonna turn, and it has turned. But we're 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 soldiering through. We've had really, we've also had a, re a lot of really amazing guests. We had um, Paul F. Tompkins and Carmen Esposito and um, Anika Pyle from the band Chumped. Um, Grace Ellis, who wrote who wrote and um, Grace Ellis and Han Templar, who were the creative force behind the new Patricia Highsmith graphic novel biography that just came out called Flung Out of Space, which is incredible. Um, Lasers and lasers. He laser is an internet celebrity. He's in a he's in a band. So, I'm I'm just mil milking his contacts to get people on our podcast. But it's been really fun. Oh, 
Interesting. I didn't know. I I will learn all of this when I start listening to the podcast. Um, yeah, I saw Paul F. Tompkins on there, and I was like, oh shit, I'm dealing with I'm dealing with a heavy hitter here. I gotta be care- I gotta make sure my podcast game is is, yeah. is, is up, aimed up upwards. I, I, get, um, I can tell you from your download, our download numbers, we are not a heavy hitter, but we we aspire to be. <laughs> You're gonna see some new downloads soon. Um, uh, wow, my brain really is fried. I mean, it's almost one o'clock my time. M- Missy, um, Missy, bring us home. Bring um, it home. I know. Bring it home. Bring it home. Okay, okay. I gotta get in here. I gotta get ramped. What would Edward do? What would Edward want me to do? Alice, thank you so much for coming on this podcast, but I can't be around you. I need to not be near you, and you need to not be me near me. You need to not be near me. So I'm sorry, but we can't be in a video chat anymore. I can't have this. And this is what's best for you. And I've made this decision for you, so you don't have to make any other decisions about it. You can just accept the fact that we're not going to be together until the next time that we're together. I understand, but you're wrong. Well, in this case, I'm right. Alice Lee, thanks <laughs> you so much for joining. It's been lovely. Mm-hmm.